preacher again for half of you. So last week, you know, our church is just in such a tremendous growth curve right now. I think we doubled in the last seven days. We've doubled. See, just since last weekend, our church has doubled. If you're new, that's exciting to be in a church that can double in a week, right? Come on now, right? Nothing to do with a blizzard. Just where the word is preached, the church doubles. So, yeah, come on now. Yeah. I just, all I know is it must have been an amazing sermon last week if the church doubled the next week, right? <laughs> Nobody's with me on that. <clears throat> all right. If you're uh, not actually from Des Moines and you're uh, just visiting, um, Last week was like the snowpocalypse of the century and, um, you know, global warming totally letting us down, you know, it did not get warmer, it was very cold and um, there was um, a lot of people snowed in and I knew people who couldn't even get out of their houses till the Monday, <laughs> like crazy, eh? And so, anyway, but it is good that we're all back together this week, isn't it? So, I just love being in God's house and I love being around all of you guys and, uh, I'm excited about uh, this year. I know a lot of us have been fasting one meal per day for the last, uh, well, seven days, including today. And, um, uh, you know, oh, hands up if you've failed. No, don't, don't put your hands up. <laughs> you know, maybe every everyone close your eyes and bow your heads, you know. <laughs> so a uh, little moment of honesty just lift up. <laughs> Everyone's like, we can't do it, we can't do it, you know. But, um, but no, it has been good to pray together, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, we're all, all sort of in different spots all over the place, but we're praying and uh, we're praying and we're praying and we're praying for our families. And wasn't it good to spend a day praying for your unsaved family members, you know, praying for our families. We're praying. Um, we pray, spent a whole day praying for our governor and uh, that was good. She was really blessed by that. And she's asked to sign up too. And she's praying with us as well uh, throughout these 21 days. So that's exciting, isn't it? And so... You know what's cool about that is that as when we transition to praying, you know, we've been praying for our state and she's been joining us and a number of lawmakers as well have been joining us. And, um, but as we transition to praying for our church and our church building and the growth of our church and new people and salvations and stuff, isn't it cool to know our governor is going to be praying with us for our church? And so, so that's exciting. So we're just very blessed to have such godly leadership in our state. So. Anyway, um, Sunday night, we've got service again tonight. So we've got this service, got the next service at 10.30. Then we've got our Sunday night service as well. And so uh, it's been a pretty busy season right now, hey? So we're still working on our new building, uh, getting that sorted out. And, but in the meantime, some of our services have been full. I don't know if you've been to a 10.30 service lately, but it is uh, chock-a-block. And um, that's Australian for very full. And so, so we've put metal chairs out, and so, um, so I want to just honestly thank people for being willing to sit on metal chairs so that new people can come in and experience the power of God in their lives, you know. Imagine being so Western in our, um, in our, in our, um, in our uh, relationship with God that a metal chair, we'd be unwilling to ever sit in a metal chair so that someone else can hear the gospel. Can you imagine that? Like, it doesn't get more privileged than that, does it? You know? And, uh, but not in our church. Every week I see the metal chairs at the back there fill up almost first in that 1030 service. And people are just making space for new people. We don't want to be like Jonah, do we? You know, just getting mad when new people come to church. But Anyway, um, also should say welcome to other campuses. They're joining us now as well. Um, we do, if you're new, we've got these new hats now too. We've switched out from shirts. We're trialing something new, right? For the last um, 10 years, every new person has been given a T-shirt. Um, so now you get one of these hats instead. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? Um, um, and for guys like, you know, um, guys like Val, who is like, I'm not wearing your flat bill. Um, the good news is, uh, I'm just making an assumption, you know. Um, we've got some, I think, a trucker version coming along, or something like that, like in a couple of weeks too. Um, but anyway, they're, they're, they're free for every new person that comes to church. And this one's free for whoever catches that. 
And so, but, um, so they, if you're new, give it to someone else because you're going to get one afterwards, you know. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so after church, go grab your free hat. So, all right, grab your Bibles. We're going to read from Luke chapter 1 because it's not Christmas. <clears throat> so we're going to read about Christmas. So y'all ready? Well, before Christmas, nine months before Christmas to be specific. So uh, Luke chapter one, I'm going to read from verse 26 to 33. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth uh, to a virgin betrothed to be married to a man whose name was Joseph, and he was of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne the Lord God will give him, sorry, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and he will be holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be, let it be. Come on, someone say, let it be. <laughs> let it be according to your word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship you in a heated room on a spring day of 27 degrees. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping in your house. We don't care if it's a metal chair, a cushion chair, or if there ain't even a chair. God, we came here not to be comfortable, but to be moved by the Spirit of God to work in our lives. And so God, we give you permission to prod us, to mold us, to shape us, even to break us and rebuild us, Lord God, because we came here to be moved by the Spirit of God to help us line our lives up with your Word. And I pray that as we do, we would see you moving through us like never before. In Jesus' name, someone say, Amen. <clears throat> amen. Come on, high five your neighbor. You may take a seat. Alrighty then. But seriously, who broke their fast already? No, don't. <laughs> Can I just say one thing before I get on with the word? If you, if you made a commitment to fast and then you broke your fast, get back on the horse the next day. Like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, God's not up there being like, well, I'm never listening to any of your prayers, you useless so-and-so, you know? Look, hey, if you didn't steal breakfast like I did when I did my first fast, then you're doing better than me, all right? But, uh, but seriously, I just want to say, if you broke your fast or if you've modified it and you're doing a couple of days a week, whatever it is, just keep doing what you're doing, okay? And uh, keep praying with us together as a church family. So, so God bless you. Anyway, <clears throat> so I want to share something that's pretty personal uh, for me, um, just <coughs> Excuse me. Something I went through recently. Um, it's both good and bad, and encouraging and discouraging, and you know, take from it what you will. Um, but a few months ago, um, I began to see things unfolding at our church in the most extraordinary way. And you know, our Audubon campus was growing. Our Old Wine campus was growing, growing. I should say, was and is growing. Um, our, our team was and is growing, and our Clive campus was and is growing. And some really cool things just started to align, and um, I know for many of you, if you're online or in other cities, uh, I want you to bear with me as we just chat through something that'll help me uh, explain this, and so while I'm talking about uh, a lot about what, what's happening here in Clive, um, it's, it, you know, just imagine you had any speaker from anywhere in the world just sharing their story, okay? Um, <clears throat> as we began to feel God release us 
um, from having to be anchored at this one campus, this main campus right here in Clive and felt God say, you know, like sell that, you can build a bigger building, you can have a bigger building in a, in, in a, in a uh, better location for a church. Um, we started realizing how many great opportunities there are around our cities, uh, particularly the area where most of our people come from. And <clears throat> uh, we realized there's a lot of great opportunities in the sort of Western Des Moines metro area. And so though, you know, though we need to pray and though we need to be wise and though we need to seek God the whole way, we just realized, wow, there's a lot of much bigger um, uh, buildings in much better places for churches than where we are, and we never really realized that because we're just committed where we are. Do you know what I mean? It's pretty normal, and then sometimes you look up and you're like, oh, okay, there's actually other buildings in this city. And as I was praying about it, the more I was able to see what God was doing, and, uh, and the more I was able to see what God was going to do. And we were already much bigger as a church, as a congregation, uh, you know, attendance, uh, finances, uh, staff, uh, kids' church, youth, discipleship, growth in people's life. Everything was already much bigger than it was three years ago, and we're already on this trajectory of growth <clears throat> that our um, church was heading towards numbers and influence that we never thought we would see, never really even asked for. Um, and, uh, and that's when we weren't even able to do all the things we want to do. You know, there's a lot of things we want to do that God's called us to do that we know we can't yet do, um, not in disobedience to God, but in God's timing and as we have the space and facilities to do them. Um, we don't have the space to run all the discipleship classes that we want to run. I wanted to run a couple more. We realized there's not even room uh, next month to add any um, because we have every other program in the church running as well. We don't have a lot of space left in all of our services. Um, and so I had a moment when I realized, like literally just this one moment where I realized that we are one lucky break or one Holy Spirit moment you know, where he does what he does, you know, uh, I felt like we were one lucky break, so to speak, um, away from seeing just multiple thousands of people in the church every weekend, and not like it would happen the next week, but just there's a couple of things that God's lining up for us, and I was like, man, is, I think it's going to get bigger, you know, and, um, you know, when we get the right building by the interstate with Jesus lifted up for the world to see, uh, you know, like just a glow in the dark, Jesus lifted up 70 feet high over our cities, you know, over our state, you know, with enough space to run kids, church, youth and adult classes all at the same time on Wednesday nights with an auditorium big enough to keep growing and winning the lost with a commitment as a church to never going woke, to never compromising the word of God, no matter how big we get or no matter how small we ever might shrink, that we won't ever cave in to the pressures of the world. You know, I I'm looking at all that and I'm like, man, wow, I can't believe it. But I felt like the Lord was saying in my heart, Jesse, you ain't even seen nothing yet. And it's like, what? But we've already grown so much. It's enough. But God's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I began to see thousands of families coming to church as I'm just looking to the future. And I see thousands of families. There's thousands of people, but I began to see thousands of families coming to church. I began to see the youth graduating with a strong faith that can't be shaken by the liberal indoctrination camps known as American universities, you know, that our youth will graduate with a strong faith that can handle some pressure here and there because they've already been beat up a little bit for their faith before they graduated, you know. I can see the sick being healed. I can see the confused finding clarity. I can see adulterers finding forgiveness and freedom. I can see liars finding truth. I can see idolaters building their lives on a firm faith foundation. I can see broken families on the brink of divorce finding hope in the house of God. And I'm picturing it and I can see senators and congressmen finding freedom in the house of God. I can see the poor finding freedom in the house of God. I can see law enforcers finding freedom. I can see law breakers finding freedom. I can see it all happening. I, I can see a move of God in Iowa birthed out of humility and birthed out of truth and love as Jesus is lifted up over our capital city and over our state. I can see families of Iowa finding strength in the word of God as there's a church that's willing to preach the truth no matter what the cost is. And I really can see Iowa becoming a state that is known as a state that lifts up the name of Jesus above all other names. 
I can see that. And you would think that I would have got really, really excited about that, but I wasn't at all. Not even like a little bit. No, not at all. I wasn't excited about it. And if I can be honest with you, I spent a few weeks in fear because I could not only see all the good that God would do in our church, but I could also see what it would cost my family. I'm not just talking about what it would cost us as a church family, but I could see all the good that God was doing and continuing to do and was gonna do, and that's great, but I could also see what it would cost my own family, and I didn't wanna pay the price. See, we've already lost too many friends for leading the church that preaches the whole word of God. We've already been vilified and attacked by the media in multiple countries, and I don't like it. We've already been shouted down in the streets multiple times by woke folk who hate the fact that we're not willing to compromise the Word of God. We've already had armed guards protecting our house for a number of days. We've already had all of this stuff have to happen. And we were already busy too, you know? There's already thousands of people in our church We've already got a large staff. We, we already have to hire people and fire people. We already have board and elders meetings and we've already got to manage a large budget and we've already got to buy property and sell property and meet with accountants. And you know, we, we've already got to do all of that stuff. And so when I saw the favor of God, I also saw more of all of that. Do you hear what I'm saying? So when I see the word of God come, when I, when I see the plans of God in my life, I see all the good, but I also see all of that garbage that can come along with it. More favor, more blessing, more weight, more attacks, more heat, more abuse, more staff, more meetings, more armed guards. I saw more of it all. And if I'm honest, it made me a little bit afraid. It made me a little bit afraid. And for a few weeks, I didn't want it. I really didn't. And, um, and it's still, I still, I've probably never ever been like, I would love a great big church. Just so you know, that's never been my goal. And I've never ever asked God, Lord, would you just give me a great big church? With, you know, I, I've never asked for that. I've never really wanted that. <clears throat> but for a few weeks, I, um, I sort of actively didn't want it if that makes sense. As opposed to, you know, like, I don't want that drum kit, you know what I mean? That's one thing, but don't give me the drum kit is another thing, do you know what I mean? And I didn't want to find a great building even as I was looking. Just an average one would be fine, you know what I mean? Maybe one that all of you can find, and some of you maybe not even, you know? And if you don't know if that's you, it might be you, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. I want all of you to join us wherever we end up, right? But um, I'm thinking, you know, Lord, just an average building will be all right. I didn't want to experience growth, just maintain, you know, maybe even shrink a little bit. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, you know, because the devil has a way of filling us with fear even when the news is good, doesn't he? Right? He's got a way of filling us with fear even when the news is good. That's what happened to Mary, isn't it? The angel of the Lord came and told her the news that one day she would bring salvation to the world. That the, that, well, well that, sorry, that, that, that the one who would bring salvation to the world would come through her. And it troubled her. And the angel had to say, do not be afraid. Fear not. Like Mary felt troubled. Like that when God was sharing, trust me, I don't think that the savior of the world is coming through me, though to a degree he is because he lives in me and he lives in you and we're sharing him with the world. But like Mary, I, was, I, I, I saw what God wants to do and it troubled me. Because God wanted to bring salvation to Iowa through all of us, but the cost. And I allowed the fear to build into anxiety for a couple of weeks. I wish I'd been like Mary and dealt with it right away. Like she just dealt with it right away, you know? Instead of dwelling on the goodness of God and, and the good things God would do, I was just oddly and overly focused on the cost. You ever done that? Like, you know, it's like you're just oddly and just overly focused on what this thing's gonna cost you. Stopped looking at the goodness of God. But I love Mary's response. After a moment of fear or troubling, she simply asks, How's this going to happen? So, ah, 
don't be afraid. How's this going to happen? I'm like, this, this chick's amazing, you know what I mean? Like, she went from scared to inquisitive to, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according, according to your word in like five minutes or something. I'm impressed. I took five weeks at least. When we focus on the cost alone, we lose faith. And fear begins to control our lives and fear begins to control our emotions and we become overwhelmed with anxiety, distracted by things that are not real and honestly may never be real. When we're hyper-focused on the cost, we, we lose sight of the one who pays our bills, don't we? We've got to focus on the provider. We've got to focus on the one who pays our bills. We need to be aware of bills, and we're even told in Scripture to count the cost, but we're not told to dwell on it. We're not told, you know what, count the cost and just think about that and nothing else. No, no, it's just count the cost, take it to the Lord. Amen? He's our counselor, our protector, strong tower. Come on, it's not God's plan to hurt you. Did you know for none of us, it's not God's plan. He's not like, I'm going to use you to build the church, and I want to crush you while I do. For none of us. It's not God's plan. He's like, I want to bless you with a great business, but you know what? It's going to cost you your kids. That is not God's plan at all. Amen. He's going to do something great in you and through you, and he's big enough to sustain it and to sustain you all the way through it. Amen. I love Psalm 94, 16 to 22. When I think about people that want to come against us, when I think about the enemy wants to come and attack us, says, who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slipped, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. Come on now. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. When the wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute, sorry, can the wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? No, they band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God is the rock of my refuge. Come on, church, give the Lord some praise. Do you believe that? The Lord has become my stronghold and my God is the rock of my refuge. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what fears 2024 has brought into your life. But I can tell you, the Lord is my stronghold. My God is the rock of my refuge. Who is the Lord that he would call you and forsake you? Who is the Lord that he would throw you in the fire and not stand beside you? Who is the Lord that he would bless everyone through you, but not you? Who is the Lord that he would call Mary, O favored run, but not pour out his favor on her? Who is the Lord that he would call someone the favored one and not pour out favor on that one? Who is the Lord that he would send you into battle for his name's sake and not fight for you? Come on, who is the Lord? Who's the Lord that you serve? Who is the Lord that you serve? Because if the Lord your God is Yahweh, he is not so unjust that he would forget your work and the love that you have shown, Hebrews 6. If the Lord your God is Yahweh, he'll always put a fourth man in the fire, Daniel chapter 3. If the Lord your God is Yahweh, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord, Hebrews 13. Because Yahweh does not send me to fight and not come with me. Yahweh does not send my family away from our parents and siblings and cousins across the ocean to abandon us. Yahweh does not anoint someone and refuse to sustain us. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Come on, do you remember the old song? The name of the Lord is, did you sing that here? A strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Come on, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
The righteous run into it. Who runs into it? The righteous. Hands up if you're righteous. Come on, if you didn't put your hand up because you're like, yeah, I sinned yesterday. I didn't say hands up if you never sinned. Who are the righteous? The righteous, come on, God makes us righteous, not your behavior, your heart after God. So God then counts your heart, your belief in him as righteousness. And so if you're righteous, you can run into the strong tower of the Lord and you will be safe. Amen. So what are you afraid of? Are you afraid your kids might die and never, before they ever follow Jesus? Are you afraid your parents might die before they ever follow Jesus? Are you afraid that your business will fail? Are you afraid that you're never going to get married? Are you afraid of losing a loved one? Are you afraid that she's going to leave you or that he's going to leave you? Are you afraid there's going to be a civil war? I hear a lot of people afraid of that right now. Are you afraid that you're going to die of something that's going on in your life? Are you afraid that you're living in a house of cards and it's all going to fall down at a moment? You know, I've even felt like that in church before. Sometimes I'm just like, man, this thing's grown so fast, I don't actually even know what's happening, you know? What's holding this thing up? I don't know, the firm foundation that it's built on? Come on now. The rock of ages? Come on now. Amen. What are you afraid of? What fears are in your life today? Are you afraid that after all the turmoil and tragedy you went through in the last couple of years, that you're never gonna have freedom, hope, joy, or pleasure in your life ever again? That it's just gonna be like this? Ah, it's just always, it's just gonna be like this from now on. What are those fears doing in you? Are they driving you insane? Are they moving you closer to God? Are they pulling you away? Are they doing good things in you? You know, a mild dose of fear can actually be a really healthy thing. Do you know that? Not the overwhelming, distracting, and overly focused on negativity fears that I was experiencing, but just a mild dose of fear that says, hey, little danger over there, Jesse, beware of that. You know, that's not unhealthy. Like a mild dose of fear in our lives isn't a bad thing. Fear is actually one of our basic human emotions, pre-programmed into us by God to help us move toward better choices. God did that, right? It's like anger. <clears throat> anger is a basic human emotion given to us by God. God does it, I get it, right? And so God was angry, he made us so we can be angry. Anger can be good, anger can be bad. When something makes us angry, it's supposed to motivate us to do something constructive about the thing that made us angry. That's what a whole bunch of parents have been doing all across America the last couple of years. They're like, they saw what's happening in the schools and it made them, what? Angry and motivated them. The anger that they experienced motivated them to run for school boards and do something about it. And a lot of conservative, godly parents jumped on school boards because they were what? Angry. Right, so anger can do really good things in you. When we get angry, we're either gonna let it motivate us towards responding in righteousness or responding in sin. That's why Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. It doesn't say don't get angry for that is sin. It says, be angry and do not sin or in your anger, do not sin. Let, let your anger motivate you toward God rather than toward sin, amen? Get more on that in our Get Angry sermon, all right? We preached on it uh, a year or so ago. And so you can look that up online. Just go to our YouTube channel, type Get Angry. Uh, I think I did a sermon called We Need More Angry Christians. And um, people didn't love it, but, um, but we did. And so advertising that online was um, interesting, to say the least. It was fun, wasn't it? So, similarly, though, fear can do good stuff in us. Fear can, um, can do good stuff in us, or it can cause pain to grow in us. In its most basic state, fear is an emotion that God gifted us with to preserve our lives and to help us live well. And um, we first have to recognize if this fear is something I can do something about. Okay, I've got a fear. Can I do anything about this thing? Yes. Well, giddy up. Let's do something about that. Or can I do something about this thing? No. 
then I've got to trust God, right? If I can do something about it, then I'm going to do something about it in faith, okay? If I, if I can't do anything about it, then I'm going to give it to God in faith. Okay, I'm afraid of this. Can't do anything about it, so uh, all right. There you go. Lord, I'm just going to have to keep giving that to you. And by keep giving that to you, I mean like keep on giving that to you. Like who knows that when they've been afraid of something and they're like, Lord, you can have this. Like it, 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 for most of us, or at least most of the time, it's not like we never, ever had that fear again. It's almost like forgiveness, you know what I mean? Like forgiveness is almost a, is a slowly but surely thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a completely um, and continually, if you want to forgive someone who hurt you um, and they hurt you bad enough, uh, you're going to have to completely forgive them. But then next time you see their face, you're going to want to punch their mug as hard as you can. So then you're going to have to completely forgive them again. And then you're going to see them again in a month and you're going to want to punch them again. And so like forgiveness is a process that starts with a commitment to completely forgive you and to continually completely forgive you every time it comes back up in my heart, right? And that's forgiveness. Now when it's the now, not yet, almost of then. It's the, it's the continually, it's the seven and 77 that Jesus talked about. I'm, I'm going to continually and completely forgive you. And I think fear is, is very similar to that, that. And it gradually gets smaller as we do it. It gradually gets smaller. Not like overnight, maybe not even over the month, but it gradually gets smaller. And, and as we completely hand it over to God and continually hand it over to God and repeatedly hand it over to God in faith, right? But sadly, the devil has hijacked so many good things that God has blessed us with. And as we look away from God more and more, these good things become bad really quickly. Who knows, good things in your life can become really bad very quickly, right? And, um, <clears throat> but in general, generally speaking, a mild dose of fear can actually be a really good thing in our lives. Help us to plan for, prepare for, organize around some things that could happen if we didn't do it. You know, like, it's why we wear seatbelts, you know what I mean? Just a mild dose of, I could die, you know, it's why we wear helmets or should wear helmets, you know, uh, on motorcycles and you Americans don't. It's fascinating. But anyway, let's go, right? But a little fear can give us the right amount of adrenaline to handle a situation in ways that we wouldn't be able to if we weren't actually overwhelmed with a little bit of fear. That's like when parents have been able to lift cars off children. Fear did that. It filled them with adrenaline to lift that car up. Fear has helped people climb trees that they don't even know, how did I climb this tree? Well, there was a dog and I got fear and I climbed a tree, you know. Fear is how, fear and adrenaline is how people can run faster than they ever thought possible, run through, run, run through broken bones or bullet holes without even noticing that those things, uh, you know, without even knowing they've been shot. Fear did that. That's actually pretty amazing, isn't it? Right? God gave your body the ability to ramp up real fast and deal with a bad and scary situation. So it's okay to have a little fear. But when fear arrives, we've got to add faith to that fear. <clears throat> it's okay to have a little fear. Okay, so if you're like, I've got a little fear. I'm a little afraid. I'm a lot afraid. That's all right. We've got to add some faith to that fear. We don't need to get rid of all of our fears. We need to add faith to the fear. Or faith over fear is became a popular saying for people who only really did it in one area of their lives for the last couple of years. But we want to have that be a way we live in every area of our lives, right? Not just like, I'm not afraid of the Rona. Okay, okay, Let, that's good, me neither. But let's have faith over all the other fears in our lives too. Not just the big public ones that everybody's talking about, you know. Let's have faith over fear. Oh, I'm afraid my kids aren't going to follow Jesus. I'm putting faith over that in Jesus' name. Putting faith over that in Jesus' name, amen. See, fear tells me that there's a bear in them there woods and it could kill me. And faith says, why, thank you, fear. I'm going to take this ear Smith & Wesson with me and I think I'm going to be just fine. You see what I'm saying? Why am I taking a Smith & Wesson? Because fear reminded me there's a bear out there that might kill me. Faith goes, I'm going to take this Smith & Wesson. I'm going to go out there. And I've got enough faith to believe that if that bear comes, I'm going to pop it and then we're going to be all right. 
Amen. Right? So why have I got a Smith & Wesson out there? Mild dose of fear. Or bear spray, if you want that. I think it'd be way more fun to shoot it, but take your bear spray. You know? Faith says, sorry, fear, not faith. Fear says your blood sugars are way too high and you're going to get diabetes. Faith says, why thank you, fear. But instead of getting diabetes, I'm going to make some change in my life and trust that God's going to help me overcome this. And if, I, if fear came when the doctor said, you've got diabetes, well, faith says, well, I'm going to live better and trust God to heal me of diabetes. Amen. See, it's faith over fear. But the fear was good. It motivated me to pray for healing. It motivated me to eat a salad every now and again. It, it motivated me to, to, to cut out the sugars in my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Funny enough, around the same time that I was struggling with fear and anxiety about the future of our church, worried that it's going to go too well, which I know. It's really weird what the devil can make you get scared of, isn't it? Like, I, I was... I had fear because I thought this thing's going to grow big uh, than I could handle. But God can sustain me, amen. But around the same time, because I was collecting fears, y'all do that? You notice that you're never not just like anxious about one thing? Like it starts off one thing, but the next day you're like, oh, I can also be scared of civil war. Put that in my basket, please. Like, why just be afraid of growth in my church when I can also be afraid of having to shoot everyone from Illinois? You know, like, like why just be afraid of one thing when I can be dreaming about war with Illinois? You know what I mean? And so, did, 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 did anyone else, right? You're like, we, we, we've, we've got to have multiple things to be afraid of at one time because, and here's the reason, if, if, if one of them gets healed in me, I still need something to be afraid of, you know? Because some of us would have nothing to talk about if it wasn't something scary or dangerous. It's true. Some people would have nothing to talk about if they didn't have drama in their lives. They're like, what am I going to talk about if I can't talk about war with Illinois? You know, sorry if you're from Illinois, John, you know, there's one guy from Illinois here and he pays us well to let him work for us, so it's all good. I don't know if you know John, but he sounds like he's from, in the mob, the Chicago mob, you know, it's his accent. Talks about his washer, you know, I love it, awesome. What was I talking about? Some people would have nothing to talk about if it wasn't for fear and drama. I don't know, what about, you know, the, the provider, the faith I've got, how good my God is, how he got me through last time, how those people being saved, how God's got good plans for your lives, how no matter what I've done, his grace and mercy sustains my salvation. I've got to spend eternity in heaven. I don't know, there's just more to talk about. As I was saying, though, Around the same time I was struggling with those other fears, anxiety, the future church, all that, um, I got worried about my heart as well. And because um, I went for my bi-yearly heart appointment, and, um, which I have to do, if, you know, rewind like 20-something years. I had heart surgery when I was 17, 18 years old, and um, everything's fine. And every year the doctor says, you're fine. But every year leading up to the appointment, I'm like, I'm going to die, you know? Does anyone else be that ridiculous? And I'm going to preach sermons to you about this, you know? And I still, every year, I'm like, I'm definitely going to die of a heart attack, you know what I mean? Like, it's locked in. And so I went in, and my cardiologist, like every year, says, oh, everything looks great. And they always add, like, basically, your heart's probably healthier than all the people that didn't have heart surgery, so don't even worry about it. But this year, he added one other word. He goes, but... And I was like, oh, but your artery's falling off. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he was going to say, but all the options came in. You know, your heart's fine, but it's growing a kidney in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I'm just like, everything that could go wrong is running through my head, you know. He says, but we're going to order a calcium scoring just to be sure. So, of course, I did the appropriate thing after that. I, um, I Googled what that was. 
you know, because it's, you know, the right thing to do, you know. Since Google, we don't need teachers or doctors, you know. And so I'm like, all right, all right, so here it is. It's a score from zero to 100. It's almost metric, well done, somebody. You know, it's like in America. I'm surprised it wasn't like a scoring from like seven to 903, you know what I mean? Just like your measuring system, no offense. <laughs> I love everything about America except the way you measure things. I'm like, it's one one billionth of an inch. Okay, anyway, should I get back onto this before someone beats me up after church? Who's like, don't you mess with our imperial measuring. We're Republican. Hmm. Anyway, so <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, you know, it's called the imperial measure. Anyway, um, zero to 100 <laughs> to see how blocked your arteries are, how much calcification there's been in your arteries, in your heart, right? Walls of your heart, all that sort of gear. And if this number, if it's this or that, basically, you, you know, the way I'm reading it, you're going to die in the next three to five years. I'm like, why are we doing that test? It must be bad, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm 41, and I hadn't been worried about my heart for a long time until I heard the words calcium scoring, and then Googled it. And new fear unlocked, high calcium score. I never worried about that before, calcium score. I should have known what it was, but I didn't. So I looked, sorry, so I went, I did the test, and I'm telling you, I was like, con I was convinced for this whole period of time that I was worried about all this other stuff, I'm convinced I'm going to die of a heart attack. I, to the point, I could feel it. Do you know what I mean? You ever get that? You're so worried about stupid things that aren't happening, that you feel the stupid things that aren't happening? You know, we can actually manifest things like that. And when I, say, I don't mean manifest, like, you know, like name it and claim it. Like, I want a heart attack. I mean, like, you can be so afraid of things like that that you actually give yourself a heart attack. I could feel it. I felt like my arteries were tight. You know, they got to be like a 70 or an 80, you know? Debilitating fear. So anyway, I go in, we do the test. The next day, I read, um, I, I look online at my score. Instead of waiting for the doctor to call me, I logged onto the app and I looked at the score and it was zero. Zero. And I felt my arteries open up. <laughs> So, that's right, zero, you know, I felt that, you know, I was like, what, zero, <clears throat> I was dying two hours before that, and now I'm going to live freaking forever, then the doctor calls me, and they were like, you're at zero, it was a doctor's assistant, physician's, whatever it is, um, and uh, I was like, Zero, hey? She's like, yep, keep living, keep eating that low-fat diet. And I said, sweetheart, I haven't had a low-fat day in my life. Uh, she goes, what? I'm like, I just don't eat any sugar. She says, well, keep doing that then. And I was like, well, giddy up. Because so, I eat about 12 steaks a day and 100 eggs, but, um, but I don't eat any sugar. <laughs> so I told her that was the reason and everybody should do it. And she said, maybe let us be the doctors. And I said, all right. <laughs> I shouldn't have been afraid of that. Why, though? Well, I was born with a heart issue. I was born with that. A hole in the heart, then the valve started leaking in, started dropping into the hole. Man, there was nothing I could do about that, though. Because who of you, by worrying, can add a day to his life? If my time's up, my time's up. You know that. Like, if your time's up, your time's up. You can't do anything about it. But the other reason I shouldn't have worried about it is because the part I am in control of, what I eat, how I exercise, I'm always mindful of it, and I'm working on it. I've always known I've had heart issues. I've known that since I was old enough to know that we have a heart. I knew that could be in my, the issues with my heart could be in my future. So I controlled what I could control and I trusted God with what I can't control. So I work out, I never eat sugar, I don't eat processed foods. If after taking care of what I can take care of, I still die of a heart attack someday, well, for me to live was Christ and to die is gain. 
Let's go have a party up in heaven and eat all the cows up there too. Right? That, that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, so it still could happen. There is nothing else I can do about it. But I'll do what I can do. And I'll trust him with everything that I can't do. But in my heightened sense of fear and troubled mind, I was collecting things to be worried about. And the internet has really added some new fears to our lives, hasn't it? Anyone ever get off Instagram and think to themselves, wow, I'm going to live forever. Anyone ever read the news and you're like, it's a wonderful world. Like the internet has ruined our lives in so many ways. And I'm still on there trying to put something decent out there. You know, Lauren and I are like, let's just start sharing some recipes. <laughs> like, I don't know, we love food, you know? Mild problem with it. And so, but, you know, we're trying to put some truth out there on the internet too. But it's amazing how, you know, we weren't designed to know everything in the world. Did you know that? If you were, God would have given you a much bigger hard drive. But instead, we got this one. And it, it kind of taps out. and starts writing over other stuff real quick. We weren't supposed to know everything. We're all like, we know every way we can die because of the internet. And we weren't supposed to know. And everybody's like, you got to pray for what happened in China. you got to pray for what happened in Europe. And can I be honest? I must pray for what's happening in Iowa, the United States, and some other things here and there. But I don't want to know every person that dies in China or Europe. Because that's been happening forever. Since the world began. And I didn't know it all. And I was a lot happier when I didn't know it all. And I'm not supposed to know it all. I was never supposed to know about the kid that got run over by a train in some remote village of China and then start being worried that my kids are going to get run over by a train. Feels like every day someone's getting hit by a train. Well, probably every day someone is in a world of 7 billion people. That's only 360 a year out of 7 billion. And we're like, we will for sure get hit by a train because I saw it on the internet. You know, this lady's kid got caught in a seatbelt in Europe. And we're like, the seatbelt can kill my kid too? Like, yeah, we didn't need to know that. There's a recall on refried beans in Mexico? It's probably not even from Mexico. I'm not from this continent originally, so I don't know where stuff's from. But now I'm like, I can't eat refried beans ever again? Chipotle had salmonella? They're still mad that I'm talking about that again, but I did stop eating it, but I didn't like it anyway. Pancheros is where it's at anyway. Come on now. You know, people who eat Chipotle to me, they're like people who choose Starbucks and Target over church and Chick-fil-A. Like, there's godly options, people. Y'all gonna have Chipotle? Come on now. Which, by the way, that's how I thought you said it when I moved here. People be like, I'm like, can I have some of that Chipotle sauce? They're like, he ain't from here. <laughs> on my Mexican refried beans? And they're like, he doesn't know anything about this whole continent, does he? Like, no, no, he doesn't. He's from a different one where we were tough enough to own the whole continent ourselves. <laughs> All seven of us. <laughs> Uh, this medication can give you a pimple. You're going to die. This person saw a mouse. You're going to get the hantavirus. Like fear is killing us. 
We know too much. Turn it off. Some of you wouldn't even know how to talk to your spouse if you just put your phone in the car overnight. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. I I think, I, I mean this, every couple should have a time every week where there's no phone for hours on end. We never get to have sex. You're pretty distracted. And you probably Googled someone died during it once and now you're scared. Put your phone away. Put your phone away. Put it down. Know some news, be informed, get a mild dose of fear and get over it. We gotta get control of what we let in our minds and we gotta get control of what's already in our minds, amen? 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Some of you are like, no, it's power, love and a sound mind. Yeah, that's what the old King James said. Power, love and a sound mind. And again, it's not wrong. It's just not how we say that now a few hundred years after the King James Version was translated. Sound mind. Back then, that meant self-control, self-discipline. So now the newer translations say that, just so that you know what they're talking about. Sound mind is true, but it would be a calm mind, a mind that's cool, calm, and collected. That would literally be how you would translate that now. Let's pop it up on the screen, all right? This is the word, all right? And the Jesse translation above it. (laughs) Cool, calm, and collected. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and a cool, calm, and collected mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and the ability to stay cool and stay calm and be collected even in the presence of suffering and or danger. That's what it means. We can do that. Sophronismos. Take every thought captive as well. And force it to obey the truth of God's word in your life. The devil has come and for so many of us, he's turned fear into something He's turned fear. It was something that naturally protected our freedom into a fear that actually robs us of freedom. We gotta take it back. Take it back. I titled my message, Fear What? First it was Fear Not. Then I changed it to Fear What? Because it's all right to have a mild dose of fear. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's okay. But let's not run around and let fear control everything we do. Let it inform us of a couple of things a bit more local in our lives. And let's add faith to it. Use fear to do good in us and through us. When we have fear, let's take it to the Lord. On repeat, take every thought captive. And can I tell you right now, if you are living in fear right now, I wish I could promise you that because I preach this word, tomorrow you're gonna be set free. I tell you this, that there's a chance that maybe if you come down to the altar call in a moment, that God will set you free right there and then. There's also a chance that you're gonna start taking those thoughts captive every day. Every day. And completely add faith to it and completely give it to God. And then add faith to it and completely give it to God. And then add faith to it and completely give it to God. And then add faith to it and completely give it to God on repeat for a while. But it will go down. Amen. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Not be frightened. Not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The only time we should say, I don't need to have any fear is when we're obeying the Lord, the word of the Lord. You can beat fear. Don't fall for the lie that you're just gonna be living dictated to and controlled by fear for the rest of your life. You don't have to. You do not have to. You can be strong. You can be courageous. You don't have to be frightened. You don't have to be dismayed. I do love here that, that, that he commanded them to be strong. It didn't say, hey, right now, I, now you're strong. No, he said, 
Hey, weak one, be strong. Hey, fearful one, be courageous. Hey, confused one, don't be dismayed. Don't be confused. He put it back on us a little bit that you can make a choice that I will take control of my mind and my life. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am gonna be strong. I am gonna be courageous. I am gonna take my thoughts captive on repeat. And the Lord my God is going with me. Amen. Would y'all stand up with me right now? If there's some fear in your life that you wanna pray, you wanna say right now, you know one of the first things to be strong in that you might need to do? Be strong and walk down the front and ask for God to help strengthen your heart. So, but, but, but it's gonna take a be strong from you. That be strong might be walking down the front as the band comes out, they're out, cool. Just walk on down right now, be strong, walk down the front. If there's some fear in your life and you're like, man, I need to shake this thing. I need to break this thing off my life. Come on down, come on down, come on down. The devil's told you that this sickness you got's gonna kill you. The devil told you that because you got this sickness at this age, you're gonna die at that age. The devil told you your kids aren't coming back. The devil told you you're gonna die broke. The devil told you that you're never gonna have any influence because of your past. The devil told you that the things in your past are gonna come back and get you in your future. And he's a liar. He's a liar. Amen. The devil is liar. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, but the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy every good thing God put in you. But he's not gonna win, amen? Because by faith, you just chose, I'm gonna be strong even when I feel weak. I'm gonna be brave, walk down the front when everybody's looking. And I'm gonna trust that this faith is gonna elevate hope and healing in my life, amen? Come on, would you guys all come come down right down the front and line up down the front here, come on. And I'm gonna pray for you. Would you reach out your hands in faith? We're gonna pray for our brothers and sisters, come on. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, prayer team, you can come and just pop your hands on their shoulders, but I'm gonna say a prayer first and then we'll keep praying. Cool, cool, cool. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that truly everything's covered in the Word of God. That you can show us, God, that we do not have to live in fear. We can be strong. We can be courageous. We can have clarity, Lord God. We don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be terrified, Lord God, that we can have a mild dose of fear and respond in faith, not terror. It doesn't have to control us. We don't have to sit there covered in anxiety, Googling the ways that we could die, Lord God. God, but we can instead just operate with wisdom, operate with humility and a massive dose of faith. So God, I pray whatever it is for these people, God, I pray that fear would have no longer have a grip on their lives. God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that, that fear would not grip their lives. Fear will not grip their lives. It will not grip their lives. It will not grip their hearts. It will not grip them and their decision-making, Lord God, that they are set free from fear in the name of Jesus. God, we break the grip of fear off their lives in the name of Jesus. Fear be gone in the name of Jesus. God, we're breaking the grip of fear in the name of Jesus. There's no other name that is more powerful than the name of Jesus. So God, we pray for that release in Jesus' name. But God, we also pray that God, that they would see what it was that brought the fear, Lord God, and they would have wisdom. God, they would do what they can do and in everything else, they would trust you. God, that the fear would prompt wisdom to do what they can do. I'm afraid my kids are gonna spend eternity in hell, so God, help me to speak over their lives. Help me, God, I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna speak the Word of God over them and I'm gonna share the Gospel with them and I'm gonna trust you. 
Look, God, in their health, they're going to humble themselves, make change in their lives, and pray for healing. Do what they can do and trust you. <clears throat> because, God, while we're alive, we're going to serve you. For me to live is Christ. But at the other side of living on earth, living for eternity is beautiful too. So God, we thank you for what we have. Help us to use fear, to redirect us to do good things, but to never let us overwhelm us, to never let us live in anxiety ever again. I pray in Jesus' name, God, and I speak over their lives, be strong, be courageous. Don't be frightened, don't be terrified, don't be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that prayer, give the Lord a shout of praise, hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.